With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Rick Munn is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, I hope you're all enjoying the content this morning as we try and maintain a very high level of output with our quality of content here on TNT, today's news talk. It is Wednesday, the 3rd of January, 2024. This is Locked and Loaded. I am Rick Munn, and in this hour, I'm going to be joined live by none other than Gemma Cooper and also uh, by Mr. Phil Zimmerman and David Curtin, who is the leader of the Heritage Party here in the UK. He and I are going to be chewing the fat in the second second half of the show about what's going on here in the UK and of course what's happening in Ireland as well so please stay tuned for that uh, in case you don't already know this we have an app that's available for download if you search for us on the App Store or the Google Play Store you can download download that onto your device of choice and stay connected with us perpetually here as we try and endeavor to light the fuse for freedom and cause a massive metaphorical explosion that will hopefully shake people from their slumber uh, what's happening in the world at this point in time. Now, uh, a lot of things happening at the minute, as you well know. Uh, some things, I like to try and provoke thought a little bit here. Uh, my friend Ian Davis, who runs In This Together, iandavis.com, uh, put up a message the other day. There was a, a video of some guy in a gym, uh, and he was uh, <laughs> very uh, well-trained, let's just say. He was hanging upside down from a bench doing sit-ups while he was throwing a barbell in the air at the same time. And somebody put on uh, a question to say, what do you think is harder than this? And Ian Davis being very astute, he said, mining for cobalt in the Democratic Republic of Congo when you're a nine-year-old child is infinitely harder than that this poser is doing in the gym. And I think that was a very, very powerful message that David uh, or that Ian was sending out there that we need to keep things into perspective here. A lot of people are just getting through life at the minute. It's as much of a struggle than what any poser is doing in any gymnasium, in any part of the world. Uh, world Economic Forum, uh, Paul Kudenek, my friend in Winter Oak Press, uh, has also uh, highlighted the fact that the World Economic Forum is pursuing the same life-hating, nature-defying, freedom-crushing agenda as Stalin and Hitler. Uh, behind all this lies the self-concealing global criminocracy, the enemy of happiness and humankind. And basically, this is highlighted off the back of John Kerry. Uh, John Kerry, the U.S. Uh, politician who is effectively trying to declare a war on U.S. farmers. We've seen the same thing happening in the Netherlands in 2023 and to a lesser degree in Ireland and Australia, where uh, they're trying to cull cattle herds cull dairy herds import beef from other countries in the name of net zero and the green agenda uh, someone put a message up to say stalin called the farmers the enemies of the people so watch out for farmers being demonized farmers are not demons people farmers are who grow the food that ends up in the supermarkets that you buy and that goes onto your table or you go directly to farmers markets to buy it whether or not you're a vegetarian or not if you eat beef that's where it comes from from farmers but stalin called farmers the enemies of the people by exportionating them the state took control of food production then seven million russians were starved to death a hundred years later the World Economic Forum is opening their war on farmers. So always look out for repeating themes in history. 
And when someone starts to say that farmers are bad, farmers are wicked, farmers are evil, and the state wants to take control of food production, that is never, ever, ever, ever a good thing. And that is what Kerry and the ex-leadership uh, you know, of the Netherlands and the Irish political establishment is looking to do even as we speak. So it's not something that's been confined to history. It's something that's resurfacing, sadly, and repackaged for 2024 going forward to their agenda 2030. So uh, plenty more to talk about. I'm going to take a brief pause and just tell you that Gemma Cooper is incoming. So don't go away. This is TNT Today's News Talk. Be a part of the conversation. I want representation I can trust. Have your say. Biden isn't doing enough. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, acts of self-sabotage. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of looting happening in South Africa at the minute. People are attacking uh, delivery vehicles that are delivering goods and, and food to their local communities for the sake of a quick loot, uh, a quick profit, a quick criminal criminal profit, they don't realize that they're actually cutting off food supplies to their communities. People are backing green agendas that are attacking farmers that want uh, less beef, they want less dairy herds, they want more genetically modified seeds to be grown. Uh, the people realize, and I'm just talking generally here, that uh, you know, if the farmers suffer, we suffer. There's no getting around that. Oh, I think people absolutely realize what we realize and even people mm. that may, might not be fully on our page are beginning to realize because funnily enough, uh, Natalie and I over the Christmas break when uh, when you were enjoying some much needed downtime, we were discussing this very story because uh, the, the Lady Carnarvon of Downton Abbey, the, she owns the real Downton Abbey, um, which is obviously world famous now, but when it's not being used for filming, her and her husband are farmers. And she came right out over the Christmas period saying, stop the war on farmers um, and rewilding, she was talking about. She's saying it's not there's no point planting trees and putting wolves and bears back into the countryside. Uh, it's farmers who need the help. And there's nothing wrong with farmers. We shouldn't be demonized. What was interesting about that story, which was just over uh, under a week ago, is that she is a member of the elite. She is an aristocrat. She's an, you know, you'd think that they would all be in this one big club together, but she's coming out and speaking out against this. It's a, it's a goal 11 of the sustainable goal, uh, the rewilding uh, thing and human settlement zones and don't go out into the countryside and no farming. Um, and she was, she was calling it out, which was very interesting. And the fact that she called it out, you think she'd be called a tinfoil hat wearer. No, no, no. She was on the front page of one of the most prestigious mainstream right-wing publications in the UK, and they were taking her claims very seriously. So people are calling it out, whether it's enough to stop it, because as you rightly say, Ireland and the, ne the Netherlands, but look what they did. They took to the streets, didn't they? And they said, mm -hmm. no, we're not having it. And that's that's how to, how we beat it, as we beat all things, standing up. Yeah. They have to be. Uh, have to be aware first and foremost, and then once we're aware of what's going on, then we'll have to be active in terms of addressing the problem. And I suppose we can't make. We can't. We can lead horses to water, but we can't make them drink. Same applies to our own personal life. So what we're really trying to do here, highlighting these stories, is to bring it to people's attention and then try and encourage them uh, to take affirmative action against it. Which, of course, uh, the farmers in the Netherlands, we saw that happening very uh, spectacularly uh, in 2023. Uh, don't people? The don't like independence, financial independence. Uh, the story that you have for us here today, I suppose, filters right down uh, to the lower side. We're not talking about multi-million pound farms here. Crackdown and secondhand clothes side hustle. Uh, customers making more than a grand in sales on vintage Etsy, etc. could be landed with huge tax bills, uh, courtesy of our very own HMRC. What's uh, What's going on with this one? 
Well, it's new year, new rules. They've just come in. The HMRC, our illustrious tax department here in the UK, which is all powerful and you really don't want to mess with them. Um, they've announced new rules for people, as you rightly say, just trying to make a little bit of extra cash on the side to cope with the cost of living crisis. And I would wager that governments actually all over the world in the Western Hemisphere will be looking at this or have already implemented very similar rules. It, it doesn't just apply to people selling secondhand clothes, um, but this is the kind of angle that's been targeted because it is a big, uh, for, the, for the news story, it's quite a big kind of side hustle for a lot of people, especially young women. Um, if you make more than a thousand pounds from selling your old clothes or vintage items on several of the big sites, uh, eBay, Vinted, Depop, Etsy, big names, big corporations. If you make more than a thousand pounds, the tax man wants to class it now as a second income. You will be taxed on any income you make over a thousand. You can currently make a thousand and that's considered fine. Anything above that, you have to class yourself as self-employed, even if it's just a side hustle along with your main job, which might be PAYE and your tax is taken care of. The sinister thing about this story, as I'm sure you looked at, uh, it's Mm. just broken here this morning, is that eBay and Vinted and Depop, who are the online platforms and Etsy, who, who monitor what people are spending and who's selling what and who's making what, they are going to now, under new rules which have come out today, be legally obliged to report those figures to the tax office, to HMRC, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. So essentially, they will be snitching and snooping on on their customers, the people that are presumably, I don't use any of these platforms, but presumably to sell, you need to pay a fee. Um, so th- so you're paying you're paying through the nose, you're paying the platforms to be on them and they're going to spy on you and they'll know what you're making and they will tell the tax man so that they don't get into trouble themselves. That's what's very, very sinister about this. And everyone says, oh, you know, don't worry about a cashless society. Everything can be done online. Well, this is one of the end results of everything being done online. And it's a very, very salient example, Rick, of one rule for one, i.e. the corporations. Mm and one rule for the little people on the ground, just trying to make a quick buck, just trying to save up for Christmas. Interestingly, uh, the last kind of real figures on corporate tax evasion here in the UK were in 2019, where the 1.5 billion was evaded by the big tech companies. 1.5 billion pounds of tax wasn't paid to the UK government because they're all very clever about where they register their companies, how they pay, how they don't pay. They have got the best lawyers in the world. And at that point, the UK was the biggest enabler in the world, biggest enabler in the world of corporate tax evasion. Now, those headlines were so shocking then that supposedly that's all been tidied up. I very much doubt it's been tied it up to the tune of 1.5 billion. Mm. So instead of going after the corporations, they'll come after the little people that are just trying to make ends meet, just trying to sell a pair of old shoes that they don't wear anymore or an old handbag. Um, and as I say, this is this is a market that actually kind of is dominated a little bit by young women. And you, you kind of yep. argue, good for them, making a bit mm-hmm. on the side, a bit entrepreneurial, which is something mm-hmm. women don't normally do. So yeah, one rule for the corporations, one rule for the tax people like us and a happy new year to anyone trying to make a bit on the side well two things two things that jumped out uh, from what you just said there Gemma was number one uh online marketplaces will collect sellers data and send it directly to the HMRC from Jenny so that's happening literally as we speak right now your uh transactions if they're breaching a certain threshold will be automatically sent to the inland revenue whether you supply them or not they're going to be supplied and they also think the thing that I don't quite understand about this one is it said Brits making money by selling their pre-loved items could soon be handed a tax bill so 
if you look at this, uh, I know a little bit about tax. So if you buy something for 10 quid and sell it for 20 pounds, for example, you've made a gain. So you'd have to pay capital gains tax on that if it's over a certain threshold. So if it's a 20%, you would lose uh, 20% of your 10 pound profit, which is, uh, you know, what, two quid. Okay. But the thing is, if you have a sofa, okay, and you sell it on eBay for, you know, let's say a thousand and one pounds, so you would break the threshold in that, you would also have had to buy that sofa at a higher price, and you're actually selling it at a loss. So I don't know, I need to look into this in more detail, but it looks like a reverse capital gains tax that instead of being taxed on any gain that you make on any sale, you're effectively going to be taxed on a loss because you're selling something secondhand. And if it's secondhand, it's going to be cheaper to sell than it was for you to actually buy. This could be the, the, the most devious stealth tax of all time. They're actually charging people, charging them on a loss, a capital loss that they've made on an item that they've sold instead of a capital gain. What do you think about that? Well, when you put it like that, yeah, capital loss. It's it's a very sneaky system. Yes. I mean, I think the tax man, really, tax man, tax person, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. plenty of women work for HMRC. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they don't care. They just want to claw back anything they can right mm -hmm. now. They want to really just, and I wonder if this is because, I don't know about you, Rick. I mean, you like to sort of see what's going on in the mm -hmm. world around you. I know plenty of uh, people in the freedom movement, if we call it that, here in the West Country. And so many of them have been saying to me, because a lot run their own businesses, I'm not going to pay my tax. I'm not going to pay mm -hmm. my tax. One guy came out all guns blazing last year and said, that's it. I've had enough. I think we were at an event somewhere. And he said, you know what? I paid my tax forever. I've woken up. I'm going to, I'm not going to pay. And I think he did stop paying. And I think the bailiffs came around and all sorts of stuff kicked off, but everybody rallied around him and for people from the freedom movement went to his house and he's mm -hmm. successful. He said, no. And I wonder if they're coming after the, the little people like this. Cause if you go after, you know, a million people who have all made a bit of an extra money and you claw back, 20 quid from all of them from a million people that's 20 million if i'm not wrong mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. um so you come after people like that because a lot of other people are taking control of their lives and saying i'm not paying so i wonder how much of this is because they're worried that people have stopped paying people run their own businesses so they're just going to try and claw it back in other means it would be interesting like i said this is just my initial take on it but it looks like to me at, at least from what i can read though that this is a capital loss tax which would be unfathomable uh, that they're actually having the audacity to do this i'm going to look into that in a little bit more detail but i'm sure financial analysts will pick this one apart and if that is the case there'd be a whole hullabaloo over this one but either way the info is being sent to the government as per now so if you are a small a trader on Etsy or eBay or whatever it happens to be, uh, just be aware that the revenue will know if you've made more than a grand and you could be hit with a tax bill for that later on this year, or uh, you have to be responsible for actually putting together your own tax bill if you're self-employed. So be aware of that one. And uh, very important that you brought that their attention right off the bat here at the start of 2024. So big thanks to you, Gemma, for doing that. We will talk again tomorrow. Listeners, Please stay tuned. Uh, Phil Zimmerman is incoming. We're going to be talking about the current Assange debacle here live on TNT Today's News Talk. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot. If your country is being invaded, uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I wouldn't want to participate in these banker globalist wars. And most of them just uh, are. Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. When I had my heart event, 
close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee, and thought I'll top up with fuel, ordered a coffee. But while I was pumping fuel, I started to get chest pains. Then it got worse and worse and worse. So then I was leaning on the counter thinking, yeah, something's not quite right. So then I went to wait for the coffee and that's when it really, really hit. And Joy just, you know, mouthed, do you need an ambulance? And I remember nodding. I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack. I just thought something is seriously wrong with me here. So when the cardiologist came to see me, she informed me that I'd had what they call a widowmaker heart attack. Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. <laughs> Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, if you're talking about it, we're talking about it. That's how it operates here on TNT, today's news talk. I'm really happy to be joined again on Locked and Loaded by none other than Mr. Phil Zimmerman. Uh, we spoke just before Christmas. Phil is an, an actor, a comedian, a singer-songwriter, a Buddhist, a peace campaigner, and a founder member of the Williston Junction branch of the Anti-Pigeon League. So nothing but respect from me to you this morning, Phil, and welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm glad you got the pigeon a bit in there. Very important. Uh, I mean, it should be st at the start of your bio, if I can mm. say so, not at the end. But Establishes anyway, my it, credibility, yes. It, it does. It, it speaks volumes. But listen, your credibility is good. Uh, you've got good credit rating as far as TNT is concerned. Happy to have you back on here today. I want to talk a little bit about the ongoing uh, Julian Assange situation coming up to a crucial point in this uh, story, Phil, on uh, February, he has another hearing, I believe, in front of two UK judges who will determine whether or not he is extradited to America to face charges of treason that could see him technically banged up for well over 100 years. Basically, hell on earth awaits him if this goes ahead. Uh, what, what do you think will uh, pan out or what can we expect to see in February? Well, yes, um, February 20th and the 21st at the Royal Courts of Justice in the Strand in London. Um, and of course, we're hoping for a different result this time. I mean, the extradition um, uh, was thrown out in 2020 by a judge at the Old Bailey. And uh, I think I was the first to break it, actually. I heard it from Craig Murray coming out of the court and we thought that was fantastic news. And of course, it was thrown out at that time on uh, health grounds because the judge Baratza ruled that um, Julian Assange was in danger of losing his life. It would be a suicide risk if, if he was extradited to to the US. But then, having made that ruling, which seemed to be you know a sane ruling on humanitarian grounds, bail was then refused, and so Julian was continued. Um, you know, the insanity and humanity of it. He was continued to be held in the very conditions in Belmarsh High Security Prison, where he's now been, he just spent his fifth Christmas there. And this is his um, uh, 1,728th day in captivity there. And of course, prior to that, he was hold up in the Ecuadorian embassy for seven years. But having made that decision on health grounds, they've then basically continued the inhumane conditions which have put him uh, at that 
in that risk of of, of uh, suicide risk in the first place. And Julian had uh, um, um, his wife, Stella Assange, is very concerned about his health. He had a minor stroke in 2021. And um, yeah, so we're hoping this time that sanity and humanity will prevail. Um, if it doesn't, and this uh, attempt to, to get justice uh, fails, then there's still a possibility that it may go to the European Court of uh, Human Rights. That's still mm -hmm. another possibility. It's interesting, uh, you said there, hopefully sanity and humanity will prevail, you know, without being a pessimist, two things that are sadly lacking in great uh, amounts in the world at the minute are number one, sanity, and number two, humanity. And for those of people who don't know, a Belmarsh prison is a, a hellhole. It's a maximum security prison, and Assange is being held in solitary confinement uh, conditions, 23 hours a day, locked in a cell, one hour a day uh, of uh, solitary exercise. He's been in that condition now for well over four years. You've just said he celebrated, his, or not celebrated, but he spent his fifth Christmas behind bars. His mental uh, state is down. His physical state, he looks like a ghost. Uh, he's aged terribly under those conditions. Are those not conditions that are more normally reserved for mass murderers or pedophiles or, uh, you know, international terrorists? Uh, Sanj is being accused of something that he hasn't even been convicted of yet, and yet with all he's been treated uh, as bad as, if not worse than a mass murderer? That is absolutely right, yes. And um, um, I'd like to just read a, a quote by John Pilger, you know, as a tribute to mm -hmm. John Pilger. Of course, John Pilger was a was a um, a very uh, fierce campaigner, uh, supporter uh, uh, of, of Julian and and for, for justice for for Julian Assange. And very sadly, of course, we lost John Pilger recently. Um, but John Pilger said that he's this is quoting him. He said, "I've sat in a number of courts all over the world. I've never seen anything like this." It belongs in a show trial in the 1950s. Moscow, Prague, you name it. And this is London. Do they know what's happened to justice here? The charges against Julian are not only concocted, but the extradition treaty between Britain and the United States has a specific, specific section in it that says a person cannot be extradited if the offences are said to be political. At least 16 of the 17 charges against Assange in the United States are unlawful. They are political based on a 1917 act called the Espionage Act. Day after day, Julian enjoys a maximum security prison where he has no access to proper exercise, no access to proper intellectual stimulus, no access to the people around him. There are some people in there, as you were saying, Rick, for ter really terrible crimes, but they have a human social life. That's denied Julian a journalist. Uh, so that's the end quote. And, and, and exactly, I mean, what is Julian's uh, crime? Uh, telling the truth, which is what yeah. journalists are supposed to do. And sadly, most of them, most of the uh, journalists in this world, the mainstream journalists, um, don't tell the truth. They are, are uh, prostitutes, prostitutes for the globalist uh, lies. Um, and that's what we're uh, seeing now. That's the situation we face. And... Um, you know, it's a very interesting crossroads, I think, we've reached in history now. I mean, um, if you look at um, people like me that, um, you know, have been regarded as conspiracy theorists for a long time, and what you would often hear from people would be, um, they would say things like, well, you know, choose any um, crime against humanity of your choice. And they would say, well, 
that can't be true because all the governments in the world would need to be uh, in on it. Um, and then, of course, we've got, and then they would say things like, well, um, that can't be true because people wouldn't be that evil, right? Mm. But we've reached a point now, Rick, haven't we, where following on from the COVID era, um, the Ukraine war, and now, of course, what's happening in Gaza, where following on from COVID, we saw all the uh, world leaders singing from the same hymn sheet. And on Gaza, we've seen them all supporting and doing absolutely nothing about this horrific genocide. Um, and of course, you see, um, you see on that on that note, Phil. Actually, on that note, uh, tying in, uh, you know, Assange's lockup with uh, war crimes that are happening and genocide that's going on in the world at this point in time. You think of the like of uh, Boris Johnson, who effectively scuppered any chance of peace in Ukraine uh, back in February of 2022. You think of Tony Blair, who was responsible for arguably over a million innocent deaths in Iraq. Uh, you know, he's 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 the real butcher of Baghdad. People like them walking free. Uh, people like Bill Clinton are still free men. All these uh, rogues and ghouls are still walking free, but yet the ultimate uh, slap in the face is the, the imprisonment and the current torture. Let's call it what it is. He's not just being imprisoned. He is being tortured at the moment by that solitary confinement setup that you outlined uh, that he's currently going through in Belmarsh Prison. And if you don't believe that or you think I'm over-exaggerating, you look up what uh, the defilement of torture is and it's anybody that's kept within solitary confinement for more than, I think it's 12 or 14 days. Technically speaking, it's classified as torture. And you mentioned at the start of the show, uh, he spent, what, one 1,000 and something, 1,500 odd days in solitary confinement. I don't care what anybody says, my friend. That qualifies as torture for me, yeah or nay, just as we wrap this one up. It absolutely does, uh, Rick. And uh, Nils Meltzer, the UN reporter on torture, um, said that, um, you know, that, that Julian was, was being tortured, uh, suffering extreme torture. Um, and he said that um, he found it hard to believe that countries like Britain and Sweden, who he thought were civilised and progressive, would have engaged in such corrupt practices as they've done. Um, yeah, and he said, as I said, he, he said that, that, that Assange was suffering from torture. severe, quote, severe psychological torture as bad as he had seen in any country. And if you want, I mean, like solitary confinement in prison is something that I've studied a lot about. And if you want to experience this, literally, go and sit in your bathroom for a week. Go and sit in your bathroom for a week, not a prison cell, your bathroom for a week, and then multiply that up by five years. That's effectively, psychologically, what Assange just went through. To give you a little bit of a taste of what it's like even to spend one day in solitary confinement, I define anyone to sit in their bathroom for a day with no stimulation whatsoever, and then imagine doing that for not one day but two days, or one year but two, but three and four and five years. The man is being tortured as we speak. Let's hope for justice uh, for Assange in uh, February. Phil, thank you so much yes. uh, for your input put in that. I really enjoyed talking to you this morning. We'll stay in touch. That's Mr. Phil Zimmerman. I'm Rick Munn, and we'll be back after this short news break with David Curtin from the UK Heritage Party. So please don't go away. This is TNT Today's News Talk. Here's what's making news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The world is bracing for an escalation in the Middle East after Hamas's deputy political leader and senior military commander was assassinated, killed in an apparent Israeli drone strike in Lebanon. 
A commercial airliner carrying nearly 400 passengers has burst into flames after colliding with a second aircraft at one of the world's busiest airports in Tokyo. And drowning in allegations of academic theft, disgraced Harvard University president Claudine Gay has quit. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Okay, I'm very happy to be joined here on Locked and Loaded for the first time by the one and only Mr. David Curtin. David is the Heritage Party leader, which is a UK political party. He's a writer, he's a speaker, he's a political commentator, he's a Christian, praise the Lord, so am I. And he's also a social conservative who's pro-freedom, pro-family, pro-nation and pro-life. Sounds like my kind of guy, David. Welcome to uh, Locked and Loaded TNT. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. It's really good to join you on the show as well for the first time. Yeah, well, listen, it's good to see you. Uh, we're, I'm blessed in a way because uh, unfortunately we had a guest uh, who was supposed to come on at the end of the show here. He's had to be called away with work commitments. It gives us a little bit longer to talk together, David, uh, because there's a lot of things going on in the UK right now. I want to try and squeeze as many issues in as possible, uh, talk about what's happening here in the UK and also, of course, in Ireland. And as well, maybe give people a little bit of a flavour of what you're at in terms of the Heritage Party. Maybe that's a good way to start off, get the ball rolling for people that don't already know, people are very uh, sceptical, let's just say these days, about politics. They're very sceptical about politicians. They believe, you know, it, it's a two-horse race, two cheeks of the same ass, two wings of the same bird. What's different about the Heritage Party? Why should people even pay you any attention? Yeah, look, I totally understand that sentiment because we've just been bashed around and our country's been led into managed decline by the big parties that we have that have been around for hundreds of years. What I call the fake conservatives and Labour and Lib Dems and the Green, and they're all just following the same agenda. And they've coalesced around the woke agenda, the climate agenda, the globalist agenda, and are running our country into the ground while being completely financially irresponsible as well, opening the borders to anybody who wants to come without you know any proper controls on legal or illegal immigration together um running down our energy infrastructure and i just was fed up of it and i was on the london assembly for five years my job there was to question Sadiq Khan and there was an awful lot to question in London but towards the end of my time there I just thought we need a new party which is a socially conservative party which we don't have in the UK so I set the Heritage Party up to stand for those things which most people just consider to be common sense like you don't teach children highly sexualized material in schools you you don't blow up your coal power stations for the ideology and the thought that oh we're going to replace that with wind and solar which aren't going to provide enough energy for our homes and our economy you don't open the borders to anybody who wants to come without any proper restrictions so we're for traditional family values we're pro-life we're for self-sufficiency in energy and skills and food and uh controlling our borders and just things that people think are common sense so uh over the two or three years three years 
years now. We've since we um started, we've stood in three election cycles. We're coming up to the fourth year of elections, and we're going to stand as many candidates as we can in Westminster elections and in local elections, just to restore our nation uh, and bring common sense back and freedom back on a national and a local level. So, in a nutshell, that's what we're about. Uh, well, that's a very uh, good summary of what you guys are all about. Uh, is it right or am I fair in saying that 2024 could be globally uh, one of the biggest years in history when it comes to elections? There's so many elections are going to be happening this year. There's probably going to be a general election in the UK this year. Ireland's looking at it. South Africa's looking at it. America's looking at it. So whether or not uh, you believe in politics or not, or whether or not you believe there's any merit in voting or not. The fact of the matter is uh, a lot of people are going to be going to the polls this year. And surely something has to give with the UK at this point in time. The trajectory that we are on, David and me, I've been following this you know, daily as part of the job that I'm doing now for two full years. The trajectory that we are on socially, economically, politically, and spiritually, it looks like we're heading straight into the abyss. And unless there is any actual meaningful change, unfortunately, I think that's where we're going to end up. It has to, something's going to happen. Now's the time for it to happen. Yeah, well, I really hope there isn't a societal collapse and an economic collapse because that would just be a disaster, you know, and it would take years, if not decades, to get out of it. I mean, what I want to do is try to halt that and fight against it in the political yeah. arena, which is why I've set the party up. And it is going to be a key year, you know, for the whole world. I mean, as you say, there's elections in the UK, in the USA, there's the EU parliament elections as well. So we've all got to get engaged in politics. And one of the frustrations things is there's so many good people around who support what I say and what you say and people like us say but don't want to get involved in politics because they say oh well there's no hope in politics. It's not going to change anything. But look, the powers that be, the globalists who do want to change things and bring in tyranny and control and surveillance and social credit and uh, central bank digital currencies, they are very, very engaged in politics. They're so engaged that they're trying to take over all of the parties that have a chance of getting someone or people in power, get into government. You know, Klaus Schwab, from the World Economic Forum. He says, we have penetrated the cabinets of all the governments around mm -hmm. the world. So it is important. And the only way we can fight back against this in the political arena is to support a party which is completely outside uh, the globalist system and doesn't have any ties to it, is not controlled by it, doesn't receive money from it. And we don't. You know, all our donations uh, and support comes from grassroots people who care about their communities and their nations. And we don't take money from people who have got vested interests who would try to corrupt us and what we do, which is what they've done to all the other parties. So, you know, my message to everybody is please, please don't disengage, get involved in politics, give it one last shot this year, mm -hmm. because this year, wherever you are in the world, is going to be a really, really key year for elections and politics and it is going to change the, the course of the future. You know what? I'm listening to you talking, right? And I'm watching you talking. And I'm not just saying this because you're live on air with me today as a guest, but you, you're striking me. You're coming across as extremely passionate. I don't think you're 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 acting. I think it comes from the heart. You're speaking straight. You're speaking honestly. You're speaking to the camera. You know, you're looking people in the metaphorical eye. You know, you're almost becoming exasperated about the state of play at the minute, and you're longing 
to do something about it. And let's be honest, if you look at when's the last time you saw Rishi Sunak exasperated? When's the last time you saw Liz Truss getting worked up about politics? When's the last time you saw Keir Starmer actually looking like he gave the genuine damn about the trajectory that the UK was going on? Let's be honest, if you cast your eye across the political landscape for the mainstream parties at the minute, who out there is there that would inspire any kind of confidence that they actually have a, a, a cur for the people of the United Kingdom or actually are invested in actually making a change? I think that's why we need people like yourself who are passionate and you know longing for change and i think david really if it doesn't come this year i think we are we're we're going to be in a bad way yeah I, you know absolutely i mean i i just you know i i sort of said to myself if you like yeah i'm gonna tell the truth whatever it is and you, you can't have integrity if you don't believe something and you say something you don't believe in so you know my, my vision if you like was to set out what i believe totally i mean i'm a christian so that does you know affects what i say and what i i think about politically and the heritage party is it's not a christian party but we use christian ethics yeah. in our so social policy and our, you know, the, the, the other areas of policy that we have. And, you know, you, you either take it or leave it. But I think it's what we need to get our country back on track. But, you know, these people in the parties that exist in the, you know, the fake conservative party like Rishi Sunak, he, he stands in front of a sign that says stop the boats like he's some activist who can't do anything about it. It's his job to do something about it, you know, and that's just one issue. I mean, they, they just talk with a forked tongue, if you like. They say one thing, but then, you know, when they get into power, they do exactly the opposite. And yeah, Keir Starmer, he can't even give a straight answer most of the time to what a woman is. So yeah. I wouldn't trust him with running the economy or running the country. So it's just a disaster, these two parties. And uh, we need something different. So, you know, I have a lot of amazing people who have come to join me in the Heritage Party, who are coordinators, who are candidates. We have eight councillors at town and parish level now, which is um, good for a challenger party. I think we've got the most councillors um, out of all the challenger parties there are. I mean, it's at the very lowest level, but they are really making an impact in fighting the woke agenda, the diversity agenda, all the diversity officers that they put in, which are just there to curtail free speech and they're fighting the climate agenda. You know, and th there's people trying to go into schools and teach kids that they shouldn't eat meat, for example, you know, and yeah. this is what's happening on a local level. And we got people in councils that can see this and fight against it. But, you know, I want more than eight councillors. I want 8,000 councillors. I want 650 MPs so that we yeah. can take control of the process and just turn everything the right way up again. You know, and there's always hope, but it depends on the masses of people who care and who think the same way of getting involved no matter what. You know, I, I first got involved in politics 10 years ago because I was concerned about the EU and I was also concerned about political correctness and that's increased you know, in, in its destructiveness no end exponentially yeah. over the last 10 years. So, you know, I, I knew nothing much about politics when I got involved, but I stood for the first time for election in 2015. And, you know, I would say if I can do it, anybody can do it. So please, yeah. please do get involved and try to make the difference that we need um, to save our nation and restore our country.
Well, I'll mention this again before the end of the show. We've got to take a break right now. But if you're listening in and you want to find out more uh, of the nitty gritty about what David's all about, uh, check out his website, which is heritageparty.org. And of course, you can follow him on the X slash Twitter platform at David Curtin. And that's spelled K-U-R-T-E-N. So, David, we're going to take a brief pause. We've got a quick uh, ad break right now. And when we come back, let's look at some of the issues that are facing people in the UK at this point in time here live on TNT Today's News. I'm Cal Fire Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez. And normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, Remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. Are you ready to help your family get prepared for the unexpected? Here we go! Ladybug and Cat Noir know how important it is to be ready because you never know when Hawk Moth is going to strike or a disaster will hit. And you don't need miraculous powers. Just put those planning skills you already have to good use. Make a plan that will help you and your family be ready when emergencies happen. Ready Kids can help. Get started at ready.gov kids. In a secret lab somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, a perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. Now you listen here. He's a very naughty boy. TNT Radio. Now go away. Okay, we are live this morning with Mr. David Curtin, who is the Heritage Party leader. David, just before the break, we were getting a bit of a background uh, about your life in politics or your foray into politics and what you're hoping to achieve and the necessity for change here within the UK and, of course, uh, within Ireland. I'm living in Northern Ireland at the minute. Uh, something actually came up. I'm just going to bounce this one off you. There was a story we covered just before you came on, and it was to do with new legislation that the government are bringing in to tax people that make over a thousand pounds a year selling goods on the like of eBay or Etsy, you know, small businesses. So basically, if you're earning more than a thousand pounds a year now, those platforms are going to forward your information to the HMRC, Her Majesty's uh, Customs and Excise, to tax you on it or face a fine if you don't declare your earnings. Now, what triggered my mind was, obviously, you'll know a little bit about taxation. Normally, you have to pay tax on a capital gain. So if you buy a, a you know a, a house at 100 grand and sell it for 200,000, you'll probably have to pay capital gains tax on that. But if you're selling something secondhand 
on eBay, for example, you're selling it at a capital loss. And if you sell enough of things at a capital loss, you're still going to have to pay tax on a capital loss. Could this be the most sinister, most uh, most disgusting tax of all if it actually comes in? Taxing people on a capital loss, selling something that they've already bought at a loss and still having to pay tax on it? I've I've heard that story. I think it's it's more about people who have got like a side job, a second job, mm. perhaps making something, perhaps making clothes or designing things or you know making tables and cabinets that's and included, so on. That's Just included to... too, but it's also included mm. people that are selling secondhand goods on Etsy and on eBay. So they they mm. apparently fall under this category as well. Which if it's true, if it's true, and if it does actually go ahead. It would be a little bit of a an ask, don't you think, if you sold your shoes that you've just worn the soles out of uh, for a tenner on eBay and uh, your total profit, you know, you could be losing t- two quid on your ten pound pair of shoes profit. Yeah, We're, what's that I mean, it, it's just it's just more of the surveillance society, isn't it? It's just more of the society where the government wants to monitor uh, everything you do and uh, collect data about every tiny transaction that you have. And I really don't like that because no. you know, up to now, you've had a situation where if you do make you know a, a good amount of money and a second job 10,000 20,000 whatever you would declare that on your personal um tax return every year but this is just going down to the very lowest level to you know try to collect information on every single person that uses every single internet platform that you can possibly make any amount of money from and you know at the end of the day someone who does make a loss on selling a pair of shoes for example isn't going to have to pay tax on it but you might have some you know quite threatening correspondence coming at you from the hmrc asking you to justify where you got this money from oh you've got so much money from selling things on ebay and whereas before you wouldn't have to declare it if it was just you know you selling secondhand goods um and you would if you were making a profit on a new item but now you're going to have to justify every single sale i mean mm-hmm. this goes along also with something else that's happening in um in the uk is now it's very very hard to transfer a lot of money out of your bank or to take money out of your bank if you if you're taking out over three thousand pounds you have to justify to the bank what you need your money from so they're sometimes in some circumstances they're not giving you your own money and this is because of new legislation that's come in you can't give them a satisfactory explanation of why you want to take your money back from them they can say well we have a reason to believe that this could be a security risk and we're doing this for your own protection is this is this old uh we're doing it for your own protection is this really not being weaponized against us to the nth degree i was in a place last night late last night getting a few bits and pieces of groceries the only thing that was open was the self-service checkouts and above the checkout there was a monitor or there was a big notice to say you're being recorded at all times for your own safety. Now, I'm, I i don't know about you, but you know, if you're standing alone, uh, scanning a loaf of bread and a pint of milk through the old uh, s- s- checkout on your way home, what threat am I under that they have to be monitoring me all the time? Or is that just the old, it's for your own good, it's for the common good, another reason to force totalitarianism and overkill onto us in the name of our protection. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like a, almost a Germanic thing, isn't it? Für ihre Sicherheit, for your safety and security. That's what they said in 1930s Germany, isn't it? When they brought yes. in lots of monitoring and surveillance. And it feels like the same thing because uh, I don't like going around and having my photo taken or my videos of me, like walking or just doing my shopping everywhere I go. I mean, I go to local store you know which is only used by the very local community and now there's videos like you say over the self-service tills and you you don't have a choice of not being videoed and surveilled and monitored all the time i don't want to live in this kind of society i was i didn't grow up in it and i don't want it to go that way and uh it's not for my safety it's for them to collect data about me and to understand my movements my um, shopping habits and my you know what i do every day and so they can know where i am and know how i think and know how i act and behave and you know no government should be um <laughs> looking at innocent people if you know in that way if you're just a normal person going about your business bringing up your family you, there's no need for you to be surveilled for your own no, safety and security. it's not like with with due respect to you and with due respect to myself we're probably not that interesting are we you know when we go to get our shopping and we're paying you know we take out a, a, some cash or a debit card we might scratch our heads we might pack our own bags and then walk back to our cars it's not really very spectacular is it david it's not really worth harvesting all that information for is it no i i don't think so i mean my my life outside politics is not very exciting at all oh. so i don't i don't think there's going to be going to get much interesting information about me but but it, it does lead you on to you know the worrying thing is that these days you can say things that are politically incorrect and you can get a knock on the door from the police for something you've said on social media and i know people who have had that you know they've said something uh, about transgenderism they've yeah. expressed the wrong view someone's complain to them about the police and then they've been dragged through the courts and dragged through a horrendous process um, of investigation for years on end just for having the wrong opinion about something and this is really where tyranny is uh coming in in this country it is it is uh before uh, speaking of tyranny and the you know lack of things that have been do done to uh stop bad practices happening. Uh, you put up a, a post on your X platform there uh, under Heritage Party. Only the Heritage Party will fully control our borders. And then you made some uh, tick points. So you said you'll push back illegal boats to France, reduce student visas from 500k to 100k, reduce work visas from 200k to 100k and scrap student dependent visas. Now, again, I've been following this topic very, very closely for the last two years. I've seen pretty Patel banging on about how she was going to stop the boats. Uh, Liz Truss said she was going to do it. Boris Johnson said he was going to do it. Pierce, or not Pierce Stormer yet. I'm sure if he gets in, he'll say he's going to do it. We had uh, uh, Rishi Sunak pledging Suella Braverman. It's all talk. It's all talk. How on earth can they stand up and say, we're going to address this problem week after week, month after month, year after year, and not only not address the problem, but actually facilitate the problem by employing the Royal Navy or Border Force or the RNLI in some cases to ferry people over to Dover. And when they get there, instead of checking to see if they're valid or not, they just whisk them straight to a processing center or set them up in a, a repurposed army barracks or a B&B or, &B or a hotel. How can they stand with barefaced cheek and say they're trying to do something to address a problem when in fact they're actually making the problem worse? 
Oh, with the brass neck of these people is unbelievable, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that the fake, I call them, as I said, the, the fake conservatives. They mm -hmm. say all the right things that their voters want them to hear, uh, want to hear them say, but then they do the exact opposite of this. They've had nearly 14 years in power and they haven't reduced immigration at all. It's gone up and up and up exponentially until now we have, what is it, 745,000 net, over 1.2 million gross coming in to the country. And the illegal boats, which is a huge problem of nearly 50,000 a year coming over, is dwarfed by legal migration because they've made all of these schemes to get more students to come to the country, more people to come to the country to work. And they are not training our own young people to do the jobs that the, they need to skills for mm -hmm. to be able to do. So the whole thing, it looks like a scheme just to increase immigration deliberately. Um, this is what's going on. Yeah, after we left the EU, after Brexit happened, there was COVID, obviously, so immigration went down. But straight after that, this is when all of these new schemes have come in. And now the countries where we're taking most migrants from again are Pakistan, India, Bangladesh and Nigeria. Uh, why are we taking people from these countries when we're not training our own young people to do the jobs that need to be done? And and they've done this deliberately. So, you know, my plan is put strict caps on student and work visas. I mean, 100,000 foreign students coming to the country every year is fine. You know, that's a good yeah. amount. It's good for some foreign people to come to our universities. But having an extra 400,000 students coming every year that we don't need to and about 150,000 students student dependents, a lot of whom just go to noddy universities and do courses that aren't of any benefit to them or anybody else and then just disappear into the black economy somewhere, is really not of any benefit to the country at all. So we have to stop it. And um, that was the purpose of my tweet. And it's what is in our manifesto as well. Uh, and the thing about it is, too, you know, a lot of focus is on illegal immigration. And obviously, the fact it's illegal, it shouldn't be happening at all. But the amount of legal migration that's happening as well. And there was a loophole until recently whereby if you were a student, you know, there was an option to bring your family over. I think this, the government, the, the current government, so-called government, have said they're going to try and close those loopholes only if you're doing a post postgraduate now or you're part of a government-sponsored education scheme you can bring your family over as well but whether it's illegal or whether it's legal there's only a certain amount of people that the uk can actually facilitate that our infrastructure can actually bear and it's the same over here in ireland david uh, we're being swamped at the minute by people coming in from africa and the the, the irish government are saying listen ireland for all the, there's no borders here everybody's welcome but it's getting to the point now there's literally nowhere to put even the hotels and b and b's and, uh, you know, repurposed processing centers are at capacity. Now we're having people landing in the country and they're beginning a sleeping bag and saying, well, listen, uh, you know, help yourself. And the amount of benefits that they're getting paid are also being cut radically as well. So this is a problem that doesn't seem to be going away, but it needs to be dealt with absolutely decisively. So I'm happy to see that you guys are uh, very serious about the position on uh, migration, both illegal and legal migration into the UK at this point in time. Listen, we're nearly up to time. I can't believe it. The, this uh, half yeah. hour has flown by like a rocket. Uh, just in case people missed it uh, earlier on in the show, you can connect with David if you want to on his social media platform on Twitter, which is our or the X platform at David Curtin. And that's Curtin spelled K-U-R-T-E-N. And also, whether or not you're a lover or a hater of politics, listen, 
this current system isn't going away. Even if you hate it, you're going to have to realize that uh, voting is here to stay for the time being. Political parties are here to stay for the time being. And whether you like it or not, you know, there are alternatives out there. And I would dare say, uh, I would certainly uh, give David and the Heritage Party my vote, heritageparty.org. Uh, they're a pro-freedom, pro-family, pro-nation, pro-life party, which I think, Personally speaking, my beliefs pretty much line up with yours here. That's what I think we need at the minute. And if we don't get it, we are in dire straits. So, Mr. David Curtin, on that note, I just want to give you a big uh, TNT salute and a big uh, locked and loaded thank you for coming on last minute to talk to me today. It's been a blast. Hopefully, I'll talk to you again sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, I got to get off here. They're going to kick me off here at 11 o'clock on the button. But stay tuned for Mr. James Freeman. More magic on TNT, today's news talk incoming here. Stay live.